how many of you have been enjoying the series we've been doing on the Holy Spirit? And so this morning, what I want to do is I just want to continue in that. I'm going to talk about that, the, the dynamic gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, just welcome you back. This actually, you know, if you're counting parts, this is part seven. And, uh, and, and actually, we were getting together to say, you know, uh, we, we've been writing this message together, all the pastors. And we were like, man, we just need to keep going. You know what I mean? It's just like it's like we were. This was going to be the end, but next week we have another message, and I'll talk talk to you a little bit about that after, in a little bit. But the, the the text in which we've been using for this whole series is where Jesus looks at and in John chapter sixteen verse seven says, "But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I go away, then I will send him to you." In this series, we're discovering why Jesus said it's best. For you that I go away. Today we're going to answer some of the questions. How do I use the gifts of the Spirit in my own personal life? And so I like coming here because y'all ask good questions when I preach. And so, uh, you know, in Corinthians it just says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 21. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, we want you to have understanding as, well as we go. And because and, sometimes you can go someplace and you hear one thing, you hear one side. I know one of the things that I've been actually dealing with the last few weeks is this, is that, that I've had people come and find me and, and they just have a lot of questions and really what they are, they're walking in fear, they're walking in different things that they're walking through in their personal life. And been able to lead people to the Lord. I mean, it's just like some people go, you know, like this morning we fish for fish. As a pastor, my desire is I want to go fishing and, and catch some fish for Jesus and give them to him. It's his job to clean them up, all right? And, and, uh, it, but the cool thing is, is that uh, I have, I've been having fish jump in my boat. That's kind of cool. Come on, think about it. If you were fishing and you go, Dan, I got, how'd you catch that? Jumped in my boat, baby. I don't know, you know, and, and, and so the words, this and now concerning spiritual, the word spiritual in this verse, it really means empowered by the breath or the wind of God. It's kind of like having a, a, a pneumatic tool, which is air driven. You know, when you go get your lugs off your, your tires and it goes, woo, 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 woo. And, it's like, and it's like they're working your engines, get the bolts off, because there's power behind that. And, you know, instead of you trying to use your strength, it's the power of that is driven by air. And so what happens, it's, 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 it means power by air. So the gifts that are, that are empowered are like the breath of God. Breath of God was actually breathed into Adam where Adam could, he went from nothing, from clay to nothing, and God breathed upon him, and it brought life to him. And I believe for many of us, when we walk without God, we're looking for life. Come on. We, we want life that brings meaning, that brings power, that brings purpose in our lives. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to, there are nine gifts of the Spirit, but we put them into three categories. There's discerning gifts. It's, the, it's having the word of knowledge, uh, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. We talked last week, Pastor Jamie talked about the declarative gifts. He talked about prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And then today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the dynamic gifts, faith, gifts of healing, and working the miracles. How many of you believe that God works? You know, dynamic uh, comes from the word, Greek word deutimus. It means which is where you get the word dynamite. In other words, power. And a little stick, there's great power in it. Come on. 
And it's like God wants to give you power, and you go, well, my, I just have a little life. I just have a little, you know what? God wants to come and breathe upon you to give you his power that you can have the maximum effect wherever you are and whatever you're doing to be able to help people, to minister to people, to see God. See, these gifts are supernatural gifts. They're not, give, they're not just your gift. All of us, some people have natural gifts. You know, my wife has a natural gift. She's just good looking. That's all. This is a natural gift. You know, but what happens is, is for all of us is that it's like the same word is used in Acts 1 when Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's dynamite, explosive, means power, means force, it means strength. How many of you know sometimes you just need strength from God? I just need strength. Some of you I needed strength to get up this morning. Some of you need strength just to nod your head when the pastor's preaching pretty good. Some of you, it takes strength to go, yes, say some more, you know, preach some more, you know, but here's the thing, for many of us, we need the strength of God when we face trials and temptation, come on, how many of you have ever just blown it before and you've just fallen in sin, come on, and all of a sudden God comes and said the righteous may fall, but he rises again, in other words, it's not just you by yourself or me by myself, it's God helping us. To rise up above our circumstances and go, hey, wait a minute. I, I, want the, I, want the, I want the power of God. I need the strength of God. Second Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. That word self-discipline means sometimes, listen, God's power comes, but sometimes we got to learn to discipline ourselves in areas of our lives. Come on. It gets about 7 o'clock at night, and I want Bluebell. Come on. But sometimes if I ate Bluebell every night, I wouldn't fit in four of the seats. But the, the, mo- the most important thing, sometimes I need just self-discipline. If I want to be what God wants me to be, there's certain things I have to learn to discipline myself, not to be a part of, not to look upon, not to participate in. Come on. For some people, you go, hey, that's good for you. But for me, I'm just not going there. I know where that can draw me. I know where that, I know my limitations. How many of you know you have limitations? How many of you go, there's some things you go, I just don't need to be around them. How many of you have family members or friends, if you get around, all they do is talk about other people? All the other relatives. And sometimes you leave a family reunion and go, man, I just feel, I feel dirty. I feel like I can't get this up. I need to go take a shower. You see, this word is uh, for us uh, in this season uh, we're in right now. The spirit of fear is not of God. How many of you believe that? I believe fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. And some of us have to make decisions to go, you know what, I'm going to step into this. And so what I want you to do is that, first thing, I want to talk about three things here. First, you need faith. Faith is a supernatural impartation uh, of belief and confidence for a specific situation. There's not, this is not the, the faith that you get saved. It, it's that ability to perceive what God wants you to do or what God's speaking to you to do. I want to look at uh, Acts chapter 6, and it's a story of a guy who exercised the gift of faith. See, the church was growing, and people uh, started complaining. What happened is there was, there was something that was being overlooked in the church in the book of Acts and chapter 6 and 7. What they were doing, they were overlooking the widows. And so people started coming to him. we got all these widows, and no one's ministering to them. No one's helping them. 
And so what they did is uh, no one's feeding them. So the apostles decided, and they prayed, and they fasted, they said, and they, just, they selected seven good, godly, gifted men in the church to lead the mill ministry. Come on. They were the dream team for the mills. And so in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose, one of the guys they chose, his name was Stephen, one of my favorite guys in all of the Bible. He was young, and, he, and, the man, and it says, a man full of faith, and I like what it says, and the Holy Spirit. And so Stephen was just a normal guy. He was not an apostle, but he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He was not given a mic and a stage. What he was given was a plate, a spoon, and a rag. And he goes, these are people you need to minister to. And they weren't the most esteemed people. He's not, you know, so so never under, I want you to understand, never underestimates God's ability to use seemingly insignificant assignments in your life to set the stage for some kind of significant impact. You know what? For many of us, well, this is just this. Whatever it is, you go, well, God goes, if you give it to me, I can, make, I can make what seems little significant. You see, in Stephen, full of grace, the Bible says, verse 8, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. There's no indication that he stopped waiting on tables. He was doing miracles in the midst of the mundane duties. See, signs means the visible, it's visible pointers to the supernatural activity of God. That's what signs are. They go, wow, that's, wow. That's got to be God. That can't be. And wonders is works intended to create a sense of awe and amazement. You're going, what? This is amazing. Oh, my gosh. How many of you have ever walked in things like that or seen things like that happen? I, I mean, I, Tracy and I were on a walk one night a couple of uh, I don't know, about a month and a half ago or so, and they have this party. This lady that lives on our street, she goes to Jennings campus, and she decides to throw a party for their neighbor because the guy had been in the hospital with COVID for 41 nights and days, and he survived. And so everybody was gathering, and everybody was just in awe that this guy was alive. And when this was said, I should be dead, that's my M.O., but I'm alive. And they started telling Tracy and that. So I said, hey, look, let's just get together. Okay, can we do something? Can we just praise God? And so we all stopped. Everybody just, you know, like, hey, I'm going to pray. I'm, you know, and I just prayed. And it didn't matter. I didn't ask anybody if they were saved or they were, you, you know what I mean? We just prayed. And we all gave glory to God. And can I, I say something? When we walked away, we were in awe. We were in awe of what God had done. You see, Stephen had a gift of faith, even when he, he was passing out meals to people. Every time he would be around people, he, he would say, God wants to do something here. And his mind, God wants to do something. Maybe he wants to speak. I don't, God, what do you want to do? There was a dependence. What insignificant assignment does God have you doing right now? What is it? I can't fill in the blank. Only you can. Apparently, he was so powerful that the local officials needed to, they they wanted to shut him up. 
because he was God, so they they began to make false charges or accusations and uh, to make him defend himself in front of all the high priests and all the religious people how many of you have ever had to let me ask, how many of you have ever experienced a false accusation given towards you come on how many of you, that's just fun isn't it you see what he preaches the but what happens is so they bring all these false charges, and he's having to defend himself before the, 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 the local religious leaders, and here it is, it's a, it's a big scene in, in church, and here he is, and there's probably people sitting around, and, and, and what happens is Stephen preaches the longest sermon recorded in the book of Acts. Remember, he's not an apostle, and this is how they respond to him when he's finishing up. I want you to see Acts chapter 7, verse 54 and 60. It just says this. Now, when they heard these things, they weren't rejoicing. They were enraged. In other words, the Bible, what they're really saying is they are like, they are like, no, this is, I mean, literally, you ever see, how many know that sometimes people have a no face and a yes face? A yes face is like, a no faces. You know what I'm saying? And so what happened? Here they are. And when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. I mean, you know, their teeth are making noise. I remember one time my wife had to go to the dentist and she had to get a thing on her teeth. She didn't do it anymore because at night her teeth were grinding. It was wearing them down. You imagine those people, their teeth were grinding. But, but he, look what it says. This is Stephen. But, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed in heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Isn't that cool? That even while he's being falsely accused, he just kind of looks up and he sees God. How he saw him, I don't know. But it tells how he does later. And, and if it, what happens is, and he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed toward him. And they cast him uh, out of the city and stoned him. And, they, and the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul. And, they, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. In other words, it's kind of the same thing Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And when he had said this, he fell asleep or he died. You can't say what he said that without the power of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness, listen to me, look at me. Forgiveness is faith in action. How many of you have had people do you wrong? How many of you said people said that, you know, I did a funeral a couple of weeks ago, a lady, you know, at the end, towards the funeral, one of the, the young man that asked me to do the funeral of his father, he said, if there's, Pastor Bubba, could you just leave it at the end if people would, would get, want to stand up and say anything? And the mother of the young man that had died stood up and she said, I just got to say this. She goes, you know, y'all know my son. He, he didn't, he was raised right. 
He didn't do everything right. But he was raised right. And she said at 2 o'clock in the morning, the Holy Spirit woke me up. And the woman that really hurt him, I mean, I don't want to go into all the details. He was really wounded because his ex-wife wouldn't let him see his children. There were four of them from eight years old down for two years. And the mother wakes up in the middle of the night and the Holy Spirit says, you need to forgive her. Lorraine, can you forgive her? And she, she goes, the lady wasn't there, and she goes, I just want to let you know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It pains my heart. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, Lorraine, you need to forgive her. And she said, I didn't want to. I wanted to hold it on to it. But she said, at that moment, she goes, I forgave her. And you said, how many... How many need the Holy Spirit to give us some, some supernatural faith to get through what we're going through or face what we're facing? The second thing is gifts of healing. That's a supernatural ability to restore someone to divine health. A common, there's a couple of misunderstandings, two of them. I want to go there. There are two extremes. One side says, God no longer works miracles. But I've learned this. If you get sick or something happens to you, people that believe that theology... They want a miracle. You know, because their philosophy is like, hey, when Jesus died and the apostles that follow him died, there's no more miracles. There's no more things happening like that anymore. Then there's the other cat. The other side says, if you're sick, it's because you lack faith. And if you had enough faith, then you would be healed. That's bogus. See, both of these approaches to sickness is wrong. If Psalms 103 says like this, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. See, if Jesus forgave our sins and heals our diseases, why do Christians get sick? Thanks for asking me that good question. Did Jesus bear our sins on the cross? Did, Caesar, did Jesus bear your sins on the cross? Okay, thank you. But you still sin, don't you? Come on, be honest, come on. Look at me. Yes, I do. <laughs> he bore our sickness, yet we still get sick, right? Why? Let me tell you why. Because we live in a fallen and sick-filled world. It's a fallen world. See, God chooses who and when and how he will heal. He can't control. We can't control the gift of healing. The Holy Spirit might give someone the ability to heal in a situation, pray for someone in a situation. But, the, but that doesn't mean that person can, uh, can heal at will, right? Or everyone he or she prays for will, be get, will, will get healed. I've prayed for people. I prayed that God would touch him. I had faith. I believed, but God, this didn't work it out the way I wanted him to work it out. Come on. But I've learned this. If I give it in the God's hand, he gets a maximal ex exaltation for who he is and for who his, what his kingdom is. Am I in the right church? Are y'all with me? See, the Holy Spirit might give someone the ability to heal in one situation, but doesn't give the ability in the next thing. God is the one who miraculously brings healing. He just is. Where the healing comes immediately, I know people that have got immediately healed. 
Come on. And then for other people, it's a progression. It's time. And I'm just going to interject it. I've walked with cancer nine and a half years. You've heard my story. But there have been moments in my life where God has literally worked a miracle. I told my aunt, who's one of, one of the ladies over all the people at, at St. Pat's and, and uh, no, Memorial now. She was St. Pat's. At Memorial, I, said, I told her, I said, hey, Pat, I, I got a miracle. She goes, honey, you don't have one miracle. You have many miracles. You see, and I'm going to talk about that. As a result of, me- you can have a miracle someone prays for you. Maybe a medical intervention. Or through our body's natural, you know, restorative progresses, processes. It's still from God and for his glory and for our good. Amen? See, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now, this is a chapter where Paul, uh, Peter and Paul, Peter and John were going to the temple. And it just says this, uh, the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and then a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the, at the gate of the temple. That is called the beautiful gate. To ask for alms. And those enter, uh, for those entering into the temple. So people are going to a prayer meeting. There's a man at the door. And he's just shaking a can or shaking a basket. And, and beggars know how to get to your. Come on. Just get to you. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple. He asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him. He said look you know. As did John and said. Look at us. And he's like, maybe I'm going to give me some here. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. Immediately, his feet and his ankles were made strong. Now, was that a miracle? Okay. Can can I just say something? Sometimes interruption is often an opportunity to to see divine inspiration. What do you mean, Pastor? If I'm on my way, how many times have I been interrupted? How many? Okay, mamas. How many of you raising children? How many of you know when you're raising children, you can be doing something, but you're going to get interrupted? Come on. And it's whether or not you respond in frustration. Can't you just leave me alone? Can I get some peace? Or it could be like this. You know you're, you're just like, you forget about yourself. Baby, what do you need? Is it that much? My wife used to have my children do this when they really needed her. Like she was raising a lot of little ones at one time. When they really needed her and she was talking to someone, she would just have them touch her leg, just hold her on her leg. She trained them like that. So they wouldn't interrupt and be rude. And then she knew. She would look up and they'd touch her leg and she goes. And they knew that when she was done, come on, she would listen to them and talk to them. It wasn't like, stop it. You know what I mean? I'll get to you in a minute. It wasn't like that. See, interruption is often a divine, an opportunity for divine. We live in a culture where people don't want to be bothered. Hello, come on. 
If I expect to be bothered and remain flexible, can I say something? And you and I uh, allow ourselves to be bothered and be flexible. I allow the Lord room to work in moments of the miraculous. Hello. There have been many times where people grab me and I just said, hey, wait, wait a minute. What is it? And I'm on my way to do something. And it could be important. But if you look at the pattern of Jesus' life, he was always interrupted. He was willing to listen. He was willing. And if we listen, we can hear the Spirit's voice speak to us sometimes. And look, verse 8, and leaping up, he stood, and he began to walk and enter the temple with them. Now, he just wasn't doing a regular walk. The Bible says, look what he says. He was walking and leaping and praising God. Now, can you imagine someone out in the front as you're entering into our Savior's church Eunice this morning, somehow a beggar got to the door and he's begging, and then one of you just said, hey, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, Lord, touch them. All of a sudden, can I tell you, let me ask you a question. If that person walked into our church building and they were leaping, and you knew they were crippled before, you could see their feet all twisted. The Bible says they, God strengthened him, touched his feet and strengthened him. And they walked in here and they were leaping and shouting. Do you think they would change the atmosphere of what we were doing? Would it maybe just a little bit? Think about what happened when they walked into the temple. <laughs> it wasn't just like you were, la la me, It wasn't like one of those kind of meetings, you know what I mean? The whole atmosphere changed. Are y'all with me? And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They were in awe. They were like, that's God. That's God. Not only did the healing come from God, but can I tell you something? But the faith came from God too. It doesn't say he had faith and they had faith. No, the disciples, they just had faith. Hey, so we're going, we have that. Well, we got something, we're packing. Jesus touched him. He didn't go, Lord, touch me. He says, he just stood there. They prayed over him. He got instantly healed. You see, so what happens, it, it's not the lame man's faith. It was the faith given by God to heal the man. The next thing I'm working in miracles, it's a divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. Can I say that again? It's a divine work in miracles. is a divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. How many of you have experienced a miracle? Come on. Anybody ever experienced a miracle in their life? Come on. Raise your hand. Raise it high so people can see. Many of you have. Thank you. See, the lame man walking was, was amazing. But it's not the greatest miracle. Let's keep reading. What happens? Verse 11. And while he clung to Peter and John, all the people were utterly astonished. That, 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 that word doesn't even give it. Like, they were, like, freaking out. Freak out! You know what I mean? <laughs> Utterly, this, 
And, and he says, and they ran together to them in the portico called uh, Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He goes on to preach the gospel to these people. And watch how the religious leaders lost leaders and lost people responded to the message. And they were arrested. They arrested them. After he, they arrested them. Okay? They put them in custody till the next day. For it was already evening, but many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of men, that's not just that's just men, about five thousand. How many, I mean that could have been there could have been eight to nine, ten thousand, eleven thousand people because Men have wives, and they have children. So I don't know how many people. That was just the men. And what happened is they gave their, they gave their lives to Jesus. That's a miracle. If you've been saved, let me explain. If you've given your life to Jesus and you've gotten saved, you become born again, that's the greatest miracle you can receive. Look at me. I've had this in America. Where are all the miracles? We don't hear, yeah, we do. In America, there's still miracles happening. In churches, there's still miracles happening. It's a miracle sometimes. There, there's certain people you look at and you go, they walk through the door and you go, did you see who walked through the door? Oh, my God, that's a miracle. We know what he's like. We know what he's like. We know. His, we know. It's a miracle. You see, now watch how the religious leaders and the attorneys speak to them. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived, they said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They perceived they were uneducated and common men. They were astounded. These guys are from Cameron, Louisiana. These are shrimpers. Look, they even still got the white Holly Beach boots on. What is it? Holly Beach Reeboks. Okay? Wait a minute. They rec- but this is what they said. They were astonished. They recognized they had been with who? With Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. They were like, uh, they were dumbfounded. We serve a miracle-working God. If you just look at a few miracles in the book of Acts, Peter's shadow has power to heal. People, he's just walking by, and the shadow, the shadow covers people, and people are getting healed by just the shadow. Come on. Peter raised a woman from the dead. Angels break Peter out of jail. In, in uh, Acts 16, prison doors open, earthquake. Paul and Silas lead the jailer and his family to Jesus. Verse uh, chapter 20 of Acts, a boy falls out of a window as he's listening to, to Paul preach because Paul went too long. And he just falls out of a window, he falls to his death, and they go, oh, freak. You know, he died. You imagine, how many of you know that would mess up your revival meeting? Then he goes over and he prays for the young man, and he rises up. He's healed instantly. Paul's bitten by a poisonous viper on the Isle And what happens in Malta? And he doesn't die. When he gets bit, everybody's around the campfire going, that brother must have some sin in his life. That's why he's cursed. He got bit. But if you know the story, they saw him and they brought him to their chief and they prayed over their chief who was sick and had fever and his fever broke and they had a big festival. God did did not always bring miraculous deliverance from danger 
and suffering to his children. You see in Acts chapter 4, uh, chapter 4 and 5, Peter and, and John were beaten and they were put in prison. Come on. Let's have some reality here. Stephen stoned to death. That mean, they didn't get a bong out and you know, you smoke this till you die. They got rocks and Christians were scattered because of persecution in Acts chapter 8. Acts 12, G, James is executed. Acts 14, Paul stoned. Acts 16, Paul and Silas are arrested and beaten and put in prison. Acts 21 through 28, think about it. It's the whole journey of Paul being arrested and tried and he's imprisoned. God does not perform miracles just to make life easy and pleasant for us. The purpose of miracles in the New Testament, listen to me, was to validate the ministry of the church. The church is the hope of the world. It was to validate the ministry of the church. Just as Jesus' miracles were to validate him as the son of God. Jesus said, greater works will you do. He wants people to know that his church, his people, his followers still believe that he is able to do. He's able to deliver from many of us from just our, the, from the uttermost. I heard someone say, uh, oh, preacher, from the uttermost to the guttermost, God can save you. And it's true. Miracles still occur today. Some are big, some are small, many are seen, and many more are just hidden. The question is not whether or not God still performs miracles, but whether or not your heart is open enough, look at me, to receive a miracle. Let me just wrap this up, put a bow on it. Faith and obedience is our responsibility. Hello? The results are God's. All God wants me to do and you to do is just to be there. Pray. It says to pray the prayer of faith. What does that mean? If there's someone who's a pastor, I'm going to say, Lord, I just pray that you would touch them and you would bring deliverance to their body and free them in your name, Jesus. I've had people that I prayed for. I had a guy that when I was facing some of my worst times of cancer, a guy named Jesse Stutes came to me. He got diagnosed at the Jennings and he just said, Pastor Bubba, I just believe that God wants to heal me. Will you pray for me? And I said, sure, Jesse. And I prayed. I just prayed a simple prayer. I don't even remember the words. I'm like, you know, Lord, just touch Jesse, work your miracle that you will be glorified. He goes, the next day he went to the doctor. He called me. He said, Pastor Bubba, you're not going to believe it. There ain't no cancer. It's gone. Now, can, look at me. You know what I was thinking inside? Can, can I be honest with you? Lord, you did it for him. What about your boy? Because that, isn't that what we want? We want the easy way out. And God goes, no, i got a different journey for you. It can be, bring as much glory as an instant miracle. Come on. Then you can bring hope. Look, I used to peddle dope. Now I peddle hope for Jesus. Come on. It's whether or not you and I can walk in faith. You know, God, I'm going to do what you ask me to do in obedience. Sometimes God will ask you to do things 
that you might not want to do. Come on. And that's where you have to apply obedience. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience and through the thing, for the things in which he suffered. That's what I always used to tell my children before they got a spanking. You got to learn obedience. Obedience doesn't mean you just feel like you, you want to. Sometimes God's got to change our want to. Come on. You ever pray that prayer? My prayer is sometimes, God, open my eyes that I see things like you see them. God, open my ears that I hear. I can hear your spirit instead of hearing what I want to do. God, train my hands for war because I'm going to fight battles that I don't see. And sometimes I allow, I just, I have weaknesses. God, help me in my weaknesses. Let me have a spirit of, I want to. I want to do it for you. Let me ask you something. Have you ever just got lazy? Put your hand down. I didn't finish the question. I just got lazy in your walk with God. And you just let things slide or you begin to choose things. But you know in your heart it's not what you should be doing. Come on. And the conviction of God comes. And then you go, God, forgive me. You see, the Bible says, we looked at it earlier in, in, in Psalms 100. Not only does God forgive our sins, but he heals us. I was thinking about that yesterday. Going through some things. Made an, I made a decision that wasn't right and it was sinful. And I asked God to forgive me. Because sometimes we have sins of, of our attitudes. Come on. And sometimes we have sins of what we watch, what we think, what we're listening to. Am I, am I in the right place? And we have to go, God, I see my sin. Forgive me. Forgive me. I want to have the faith. And see, sometimes we just need to be reminded. I need the faith to remind myself that God has forgiven me. And when you walk in forgiveness, your children don't have to come to you ten times. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I forgave you. Will you forgive me again? How many of you ever felt that way sometimes? I remember I asked the Lord when I was really young in the Lord, and I said, Lord, will you, I'd done something, and I go, Lord, will you forgive me? And then the revelation, he's looked at me. He didn't look at me, but I'm sure he did look at me. But he spoke to me, and he just said, what are you talking about? All of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute. The Bible says he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. Never to meet. Hello. We don't have to live in condemnation. We can live in the acceptance of freedom that God brings in our hearts and our lives. It me some. you got to have faith. Faith to believe that God can do anything. Sometimes we have to have faith that comes from God because we don't have it ourselves. Come on. Be honest. That we can believe that God can heal people and that God still works miracles. Sometimes the greatest miracle in our lives is married couples. We're still together. Hello. I told someone that they were like, I, I told them they're getting married and they're, you know, everything, their mate's perfect. So let me tell you, marriage, 
Let me just say, marriage is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. You know why? In order to keep someone, you got to maintain what you were doing to get them to keep them. Hello. You know what my wife wants? She wants my time. You know what else she wants? She wants me to listen to her. She wants me to, even though I don't understand everything she tells me, even though I act like I'm listening, sometimes I just like, it's a lot. Okay. But that doesn't, but you know what? But when I meet her needs, guess what? She's more likely to meet my needs. Hello. I like words of encouragement. I like physical touch. Hey. I, I like those things. How do we go from miracles, healing, and all that to this, Pastor Baba? Let me tell you why. Because it's all about a relationship with Jesus. If you can hear his voice, know his voice, walk in obedience to his voice, those things will follow you. Amen? But if you can have a walk with, in, with God in his spirit, it's going to be hard to see those things take place in your life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes all over this place. Father, thank you so much. Father, for what you're doing in this house. Lord, I'm so, I'm so proud of what you've done of, uh, with, through Jamie and Cheryl and the leaders here, the dream team and everybody that participates in our Savior's Church, Eunice. And Lord, I pray, Father, for those that this morning heard this message. I pray they would take it to heart. They wouldn't just take it to heart, but they walk out here going, I want to hear God. I want to know God more than I have ever known God. I want to honor him. I want to please him. Maybe you're here this morning. You said, Pastor, I'm having a hard time honoring and pleasing God because I, I don't even know God personally. But I, want, I don't want to leave here today without knowing Jesus personally. I've, I've hidden things. I've, I've stood behind things. But this morning, I don't want to do that anymore. No one looking around, please, just out of honor. If you're that person this morning, say, Pastor Bo, would you pray for me? I need to give my life to Jesus this morning. That you just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. Anyone here? Okay. Father, I thank you, Father, for all that you're doing, all that you're speaking. And I pray, God, that you would, you would have your way in us. Bless the people as they leave today, as they go out. I pray your blessings, your strength, and your grace upon their lives. I pray that right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said...